I felt like a ninja washing my hands earlier because I didn't want to touch all the, like, I didn't want to touch the doors and whatever. So I like <laughs> washed, got my paper towel, like very creatively opened up the doorknob using my paper towel and yep. then did this twirl move and shot my paper towel into yep. the garbage, nailed it. Yep. And was like walked back to my office with my hands up like a surgeon or something. Yep, you get good at like using your like feet to open stuff and like. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You're listening to Lead 'Em to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hey friends, and welcome to Lead Him to Life. I am delighted to be joined in studio today by my friend, Father Tyler Matson. Father Hi, Tyler, welcome to Lead Him to Life. Oh, great to be here. Thank you. I'm super excited. You've been like one of my big encouragers and supporters <laughs> as I've, you know, kind of launched this effort and I've just been so encouraged by you. And then I said, mm-hmm. okay, good. Cause I'm hoping that you're going to come on the podcast. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait a second. I didn't think that that yeah. was part of the deal, but you agreed to come on. So thanks so much for spending some time with me. Absolutely. First of all, okay. Give us like a couple of really quick fast facts. Sure. Who is Father Tyler Matson? Sure. Well, I'm a... Son of the Heavenly Father, priest of Jesus Christ. Uh, I am was born in South Dakota, uh, currently serve as a priest here in Sioux Falls, and hopefully get to die in South Dakota. So I love, love where I'm from. And, uh, live and die. Uh, been ordained a priest for about three years as as this is being recorded. So. Is it already three years? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And you and I went to high school together. We were we did, a year yeah. apart. I feel like we didn't really know each other at that time, though. You, you were... If I can just say this, you are cooler than me, and I'm and I'm and I'm like big enough to admit that. But I, I knew of you. I was like I was like a level five on the one to ten cool scale. Like I wasn't really ten, but I was involved and I knew all the people and that kind of thing. So I was a five, you know. Yeah. yeah but but you were like the cool band person. So you just yeah. had your own cri- band. People have their own criteria of coolness. Is yeah. my theory. They're pretty content with themselves. They're which pretty, is okay. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And like, there's a hierarchy within the band people. So That's you were true. like the cool band guy. I think. Is what it was. Which would be like a three in the average world. Which is like yeah. a three in the normal one to ten scale. Oh my god. High school is complicated. I yeah. love it. I love it. Well, thank you for giving some yeah. time to come join me on the podcast. Sure. So one of the things that actually kind of triggered my desire to reach out to you was um, this picture that you had posted on Instagram, which by the mm-hmm. way, I feel like is a lot of like where I find guests <laughs> I'm realizing yeah. for Lead Him to Life, just I think people have <laughs> share really beautiful things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation about that. Um, but you posted this picture of mm-hmm. um, a trip that you had recently mm-hmm. taken. And uh, I think your your comment was something along the lines of my journey of self-discovery yeah, or something, right. you know, and you were kind of being facetious about it. Um, but there was actually like some mm-hmm. beautiful truth in it. And so I would love love to just kind of talk about what God has been doing in you and this, particularly this big adventure that you just went on flying yeah. solo. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about it. What was that? Yeah. Well, I try to take one vacation a year as a priest, kind good of a, you. a long one. And yeah, uh, good for you. So far, I've been doing that with other priest friends, which has been great. And I had something planned for this year too. And it kind of just fell through. So the, the guy I was going to go travel with um, didn't work out in his schedule. So decided to do something by myself. And I had been thinking for a while that it would be nice to do something with the national parks. And I'm not a huge nature person, but okay. like I like the outdoors, but okay. I've never been a huge camp or anything like that. But I decided to go to Utah and just to spend by, yourself. Tw- by myself. And I drove there and just spent 12 days touring the five national parks in in southern Utah. 
And, and it was funny because before I was leaving, I told my pastor that since I was going to go by myself, I was going to go on a, a journey of self-discovery. And he <laughs> joked of, of saying, well, why would you want to find that out? You know, <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would you want to know that? But it was so amazing because as the trip went on and the days ticked by, it was, it was almost retreat-like where you realize, oh, I don't have things to do. Mm. I don't have places to be. There's nobody here to like entertain or talk to. And you're just kind of like, I was just stuck with myself in a good way mm. where I couldn't avoid things that maybe I'd have been avoiding for a while or I couldn't uh, distract myself mm-hmm. just by getting busy with, with work or whatever it was. And I just had a lot of time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was just so beautiful because in some way I was able to unplug from just the busyness of life, immerse myself in these beautiful national parks, and in some sense to sort of, yeah, rediscover myself mm-hmm. alongside the Lord and, mm-hmm. and have him tell me uh, who I was. So I think that was one of the big graces of of the trip was really just like as part of like discovering myself was just to go to the source and to ask the father, hmm. who am I? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he really just showed up in a beautiful way for me. So what was going on prior to you deciding to to do this that you kind of had this sense of, I feel like I just need to kind mm-hmm. of do something on my own or to have mm-hmm. this alone time? Because, you know, you, you've you gone through, you've had a ton of formation. You're a mm-hmm. very self-aware person. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody listening to that <laughs> might think, you already... What you already know that, and I think you're you're hitting yeah. on this fact that you needed to return to it. So, what was kind of going on sure. for you that you had this desire mm-hmm. um, to, or that desire to to kind of have that time? Mm-hmm. Over the past year before this trip, I'd really been exploring just some some aspects of my story, and and in particular some aspects of just the ways that I learned to relate with other people, okay. and. And the thing is, of course, you know, the way that we learn to relate with other people, with, with, with family, with friends, is often the time ways that we relate with God. And, and one of the things I was able to identify over the past year was, oh, I bring a lot of anxiety into my relationships and in and, and ways I've, I didn't even recognize wow. until yeah. this through other circumstances, it was pointed out to me that, oh, I bring some anxiety into my relationships and, and including in my relationship with God. And, and what that can look like is just sort of this like underlying worry of yeah. saying like, oh, does God see me? Does God know me? Does God, uh, and here, here's a question we don't like to ask ourselves. Does God like me? I know God Whoa. loves me. I know God loves me. I know I know that he, like he has to love me because I know that he's love, but does he actually like enjoy spending time with me? And, and these are all things that you can imagine that you might bring to a friend or to a spouse or to, you know, or they actually like want to spend time with me or are they just, yeah. so, so I noticed some of these things coming up in me and I think, uh, I just really needed the opportunity to, like I said, have that alone time mm-hmm. with the Lord and, and just to kind of ask myself and really, and really a serious way, does God actually love me as a person, as an individual. And And does he like me? And does he like me? Yeah. Yeah. Does he like what he created? And like and like if if he if he didn't have to, would he still want to be with me and spend time with me? I love that distinction. I my my parents, I I always remember when I was growing up, my mom would often say, Emily, marry somebody that you genuinely like. Mm -hmm. Um getting at this this kind of underlying thing that I think culturally we often, we can fall in love with somebody and really Mm -hmm. not like them at all. 
yeah. infatuation does crazy things to us, you know, and, and the importance of liking, but also um, that just opened up a whole new world for me of, okay, do I, am I liked by the Lord? I know that I'm loved by him. I might, I might mm-hmm. recognize that, but does he actually delight in yeah. my company? Does he actually enjoy the quirky things about me or, right. or whatever? Right. So I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah. So you, you decide to go on this trip mm-hmm. and kind of coming, coming into it with some of these deeper revelations mm-hmm. about yourself and, um, anxiety and maybe the anxiety that you had, um, even in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So you go on this trip, then what, what, what happened yeah. amidst this? What was sure. kind of, what was the revelation as you were processing it? Because I know from yeah. talking to you that it actually had really profound effects, this experience. Yeah. So what happened there that uh, caused some growth or created sure. the space for growth? Sure. So this is going to sound so obvious, but sometimes it's the obvious truths that we need us to yeah, sink yeah, yeah. into, right? Yeah. But the, the truth was on this trip in Utah, I just really appreciated the fact that I was a creature, <laughs> that God had created me. Hmm. And I think in part, you know, you're, you're surrounded by these beautiful canyons and mountains and, and just these incredible landscapes. And this is so, so many beautiful things. And you just get to stop and, and awe and wonder at, at God's creation. And then you see other people around you, you know, just like having their mouth open and just like gaping and and you just had that natural reaction of just like, thank you in front of something beautiful that God's created. Mm-hmm. And I think it just really allowed me to say, oh, that's me too. Like, mm. I, I'm a I'm a creature of God, just like this canyon is, just like this beautiful arch and this stone is, just like this mountain is. And, and just like this is something beautiful that's unique and there's nothing else like it. That's me. Right. That's mm-hmm. me. Exactly. Like God, like you said, God delights mm-hmm. in me and, and he rejoices in me. And, and and I heard something recently that said, uh, for those without boundaries, boundaries will, will always seem cruel. If you don't have boundaries, boundaries are going to seem cruel to you. And, mm-hmm. and it just really forced me to ask the question, what does it look like that God has boundaries with me? And, and can I see that as not as a cruelty, but actually as a kindness? And, and part of sort of sinking into that and, and diving into that was this idea that, oh, yeah, I'm a creature. I'm not God. And I'm never going to become God in the same way that God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always going to be Tyler, mm-hmm. uh, a, a human being uh, created by God, chosen as, as his son and, and with grace in the, in the sacrament of baptism, but just as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that anxiety can do to people, especially when it's brought into relationships, is, is you try to find your identity in somebody else in the relationship. I try to find, like, who am I? Like, I am somebody. I have value. I have worth if this person thinks so or if I think that this person's showing me sure, attention. Sure, And I think one of the things— We do that subconsciously. Totally. We don't even recognize it. We don't even recognize it. And I think it's, you know, part of it's normal because we do that with our parents. We have to kind of discover who we are in their eyes. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, you have to sort of kind of break out and say, actually, like, I have value and worth in and of myself. Mm. And I think that was just one of the things I discovered on this trip was I sort of had to be immersed in creation to recognize that I'm a creature uh, and, and and I'll be a creature for all eternity. Mm-hmm. So God willing, if I'm if I get to be with God forever in heaven, 
I'll be in heaven with him mm-hmm. as a creature, as mm-hmm. an adopted son, but as a creature. Yeah. And and it sounds, you know, sometimes we can use that word creature like it's a bad thing. Like, oh, I'd rather like be. Like an alien or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but actually it's like, no, God, for all eternity, like I was in his mind and he wanted to create me. And when he created the universe, like yeah. I was a part of that creation. Yeah. And it was just it was just a real experience of my belovedness that how just, of just how much God loved me uh, and I was what just able gift. to just just to sink in that yeah what a gift I want to come I want to go back to the the boundaries uh, conversation in a minute but mm-hmm. one thing that you have shared with me is some research that you've done on attachment theories and yeah. the ways that we attach ourselves to friendships to family members maybe to our spouse. Uh, maybe to our children, whatever. Um, there's been a, a ton of research in this work mm-hmm. in the field of psychology regarding kind of different different ways in which we attach ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you shared a really interesting insight that you had had. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you'd unpack sure. that a little bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'd be okay, happy good. to. Yeah. yeah, so I'd love for you to share it. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar with attachment theory, basically the idea is as we grow up, we develop through our primary caregivers, so parents, certain styles of relating certain mm-hmm. styles of attachment uh which, which is normal mm-hmm. and 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 they've done experiment experiments just to help to understand kind of how this works well they'll bring a, a mother and her child into a room together and then they take the mom out and pretty much every child is going to cry when the mom's gone mm-hmm. and he or she's by himself well when the mom comes back depending on how the child responds they're able to have some indication to say how securely attaches this child with his mother. If when the mom comes back, the child sulks in the corner and ignores the mom mm-hmm. and is kind of like punishing the mom, mm-hmm. that's probably a sign in, in language of, of attachment that there's an avoidant, that, mm-hmm. that the child really doesn't trust that mom can provide for him. Which if, makes me panic when I pick up my toddler from daycare and she just wants to keep playing. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have an insecure attachment yeah, well, happening. <laughs> and well, we're working on yeah, it in the lead well, house. It's obviously more complicated than that. But <laughs> but uh, if the mom comes back and and the child like clings to mom mm-hmm. and like won't let go of mom, but is also kind of like pushing away from mom, kind of punishing mom, but also like holding on. Yeah. That's a good sign that maybe that child's experiencing some anxiety where mm-hmm. Like if if I let go, maybe mom will leave again, right? If mom comes back, this is the third example. If mom comes back and the child checks in with mom, okay, mom's here, and then goes back and plays, that's a sign that the child probably has a pretty secure attachment to mom because the child has the confidence that, okay, mom might leave sometimes, but she always comes back and I can just play in peace, okay? So when I was thinking about that in relation to God, I recognized how often I can be like the child who is trying to cling to God. Mm-hmm. And and I've, I'm going to kind of tread lightly here because there is language in Scripture of, of clinging to the Lord. And I think there is a way of understanding that that is really healthy, healthy and good and for the important. Christian life. Yeah. yeah. But I think there's also a way, if you just think about any other relationship in your life, whether it's with a friend, a spouse, a parent, and say, like, I'm just going to hold on to you and not let go. Like, I think most people would say, that's not healthy. You have mm-hmm. to be able to, like, step away and, like, do other things. And, like, you don't need to be so clingy, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of the language you might use there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how often do I kind of treat God that way? Like, I'm going to hold on to God. I'm not going to let go. I'm just going to, like, cling to him. And 
it's not because I'm like so trustful in his love. It's because I'm actually kind of afraid Fearful. that that if I if I go and I play like that child, then I'm going to turn around and maybe God won't be there watching me. Maybe I'll fall down and hurt my knee and God won't come over and help me. So I, so you can bring that anxiety to God and say, I have to keep looking over my shoulder, hmm. checking. Is God still there? Is God still there? Is God still there? And and it really creates uh, just a, like a lot of a lot of stress in in your relationship with God, especially I think if if you're somebody who is really striving to to stay close to God and and to and even that language can be confusing. Like stay close, like what does yeah. it mean? Like how can yeah. I how can I get far from God? Yeah. But I think that just kind of reveals that that there was something inside of me that I noticed that I was kind of treating God that way. And like, if, if I ever took my eyes off of him, so to speak, to do something else, then maybe when I turn back, he wouldn't be there. Sure, sure. So when I, I have to ask, so when you were on this vacation, this mm-hmm. trip by yourself, you know, exploring the mountains and hiking and whatever, mm-hmm. um, as this revelation was kind of happening, mm-hmm. what did you, what did you do? You know, was it, <laughs> what, as, you know, as you're kind of realizing maybe this fear mm-hmm. that's been, um, you know, driving some of your behaviors without you even really realizing it, what started to shift yeah. there sure. for you? Sure. So here's here's what it looked like for me. And this is something that started even before this trip, but this trip was really a chance for me to, to try it out a little bit more intentionally. Okay. And 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 the word the word is play. The word is play. And and what that looked like for me was I think I think to have really authentic human play, there always has to be this aspect of risk. This aspect of almost danger, uh, this aspect of a certain wonder and awe—all these things are kind of part of play. And it's why kids want to climb to the top of the jungle gym. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And Interesting. Okay. They're yeah, taking. Sorry, they're taking risks. They're taking risks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're taking risks. And 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 really, if you think about like the most intense moments of play in our lives, usually there's always if there's no risk. It's like, well, it's a big deal, right? You play yeah. you play a video game, and I die. And I'm just gonna respawn, right? Yeah. So that's not real a play. Yeah. Well, I am terrified of heights, <laughs> and and you went look and I went you hiking went to the top and, of the and, and the mountains, and I had plenty of occasions to <laughs> to test that fear, and even sometimes where I'd be like hiking by myself, yeah, and I would come to a situation where like it's icy, it's snowy, it's muddy, there's a cliff, and I'm thinking to myself. Nobody would see me if I just turned around and went back. Fear, yeah. Because because I'm because I'm by myself, and and in all honesty, I'd never gotten to myself into like a life threatening situation. Like that was very I, prudent of you. I'm so glad I'm, you did I, that. I wasn't like being completely stupid, but just to be able to allow myself to say, you know what, I'm just going to take a risk and keep going, and and to go out on uh, the edge, right, literally, and 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 do something that maybe I would have never done before. And and I think just those experiences of of play, even let's just say in the context of hiking, mm-hmm. really gave me the freedom to recognize, oh yeah, like I can stay in relationship with God and I can risk and play. Mm-hmm. And those two things are not somehow exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I think for so long I had somehow thought in order to be in relationship with God, you kind of had to had to live a safe life. Uh, you had to oh, live. In, you had to live like an, yeah. an, e- an easy sort yeah. of just like safe life. Yep. And Don't rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yep. just, just be, just be very, just be very uh, safe, and that way you know that like you won't 
mess anything up and then yeah. God will still be there. Yeah. And I think just in these small moments of of risking and small moments of playing that I was able to do on this vacation, it just it just kind of opened my heart to to a new way of living that like actually I can like have my moments of check-in with the Lord, just like just like those little kids would check in with mom. Is mom still there? Okay. And then go play, you know? Hmm. And I think part of the, the beauty of understanding what it really means to cling to the Lord is to say, actually, yeah, like he's always with me. Like he's always with me. And and I don't and if I try to do his will in each moment of my life, I don't ever need to worry that when I turn around he's not going to be there. But that's not the same thing as saying I always have to be in the church praying or I always have to be like anxious about what am I doing. But actually I can like check in, do my time of prayer, right? Go to mm-hmm. mass, all these beautiful things, and then I can just go play. Mm-hmm. Because that's because that's what God desires for me as as his child. Is it's- this why you learned a longboard? <laughs> In you're, large you're part, the yeah. skateboarding. You're you're my skateboarding priest friend. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. That's exactly it. I would. I learned how to longboard last year, and I would have never done that uh, had God not been opening my heart to these realities that I'm speaking about. Because again, I grew up. I never rollerbladed. I never skated. I never did anything. What if I fall? What if I get yeah. hurt? What if yeah, I, yeah, like and and I just told myself, well, I don't have good balance. I'm not coordinated. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm really not that kind of person, though. I think I would. <laughs> you, you said earlier that you never actually put yourself in a situation of yeah. danger. I think if I tried to do that, I would be in the ER very quickly. <laughs> but, you know, even to that, like, so when I first got my longboard, I had I had never, because I had never skateboarded before, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I watched, like, a couple YouTube videos, how to longboard. Okay, so, and I and I went out into, into the garage of, of the rectory, and I was like, I'm just going to try in the garage first where nobody will see me practice. And I put my f- one foot on the board, kind of got steady, and then I kicked off and went bam right on my oh, back, no. right on my oh, back. No. The very first time I tried, but that was so good for yeah, me because I was like, oh, that. just like just like and just like learning anything, how to ride a bike. I learned, oh, I can fall and I can get back up again, and it's gonna be okay. And I was like, oh, I had all this fear about, for example, longboarding, mm-hmm. but I actually discovered, oh, I can fall and. It's not the end of the world. You can get back up and you can try again. Mm-hmm. And and just to like I'll give myself permission to mm-hmm. to do that was was so freeing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's been such a joy now. Like just yeah. it was we had a beautiful day the other day and just to be able to go outside and to spend, you know, half an hour in the middle of the day, just some fresh air and and just to just to play. Just I to love play. That. It really it's it's interesting to me because I wonder if this is I think it applies to both men and women. I, I really do. But I think it applies in a particular way to men because the way that my husband plays is very different than the way that I play. And in Mm -hmm. fact, for the most part, I would say that he's almost better at it. Like my girls light up when Matt plays with them. It's fun when mom plays (laughs) and they want to, you know, mommy, do you want to put on this princess dress or whatever? But when Matt plays, the, the level of like, screams in our house <laughs> yeah. go way up you know right. Right. so I'm, I'm interested for you i think there's something very fatherly mm-hmm. about that i guess is what mm-hmm. i'm getting at like dads just have a way of playing mm-hmm. um and and please don't misunderstand me i think we as moms do as well but dads have a particular way of playing that i think is says something about their fatherhood have right. you how has your understanding of your fatherhood mm-hmm shifted in this kind of self-discovery of the Mm. way in which you play or even not even fatherhood, but maybe just your masculinity. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
That's a hard question. I don't know. No, it's a great great question. That's a great question. Well, and I, and I think I think it kind of leads to a bigger question, which sometimes maybe maybe you're listening to this and saying, "Well, great. Well, I don't have time for a vacation in Utah, and you yeah, know, yeah, I don't yeah. have time to learn how to longboard, and I have a lot of things going on in my life, and my life's stressful, and I have responsibilities, mm-hmm. and and like I just want to say, like I totally get that, and I think, but still not an excuse to avoid play or to avoid risk. And here and here's kind of what I mean by that, like there'd be one way of looking at my life as a priest and saying, Oh, like it's so serious. And it is right. Cause I'm, I'm dealing with people's souls and heavy things. People's and souls, no big deal. Yeah. Whatever. Right. It's just, it's just eternity. I mean, it's just eternity. Yeah. Right. And like, and there'd be a way of like living my priesthood where I could like really get stuck in that. And I could really be really, uh, just take that on myself and say like, yeah, no, but this is, this is serious. This is serious. And I have to like, um, and I have to bring, you know, whatever it is to this, that's just like heavy. Or I can say, actually, my priesthood is part of the kingdom of God, where I get to play in as a child, as as, as his child. Mm-hmm. And and certainly what I do as a priest is serious. But also what you do as a father, yeah. And what I do as a father so is so serious. Yeah. 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 But also I get to do it as a child of the king who who's already reigning on the throne. And in some sense, you know, a lot of what I do as a priest, and this would certainly be true for parents too, is I spend most of my days just fighting the forces of darkness, you know, just to be perfectly honest, right? Because the, because the forces of evil are at work in our lives mm-hmm. and the work of the lives of, of my parishioners. And every time I hear confessions, it's like you're, you're going up against these forces of evil. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That can become play too, because Jesus has already won, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for me, it's like, it's just opening up the possibility in people's lives that like, where is light shining already in your life? And Maybe your life is really dark right now, and I understand that. But actually, like, part of the play that I get to do with people as a father and as a priest is saying, well, let's just see, like, where is the Holy Spirit moving here? And, like, where is Jesus working? Let's open the curtains. Let some light in. And, like, to recognize that, like, we're in this game, and guess what? The devil lost already, right? He's he's a loser, and and we're we're, we're the winners. So, like, how do we play this game knowing that we've won? And let's just take some risk in it. And I think, like, for—I would just say for everybody out there listening, if— if you look at your life and the responsibilities that you have and whatever your vocation is, and just, just, just to ask yourself, how might Jesus be asking me to play in this, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that my life is part of his kingdom, that he's the king of, and that the devil is already lost, and, and I'm part of the kingdom of light, uh, and, and how can I play? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how can I maybe risk something? Mm-hmm. So I think I just, I just I want to just say that because I think I think the category of play is much bigger than like a vacation yeah. or much bigger than a hobby. Yeah. I think I think it's something that should permeate our lives. So so that's why I say play always has danger and risk. Because actually like if you're doing serious things like being a mom, yeah. being a dad, being a priest, those serious things are actually where you can take the most risk and have the most play. Yeah. What is what's the work of wonder in that? Because, you know, I love that you extended it beyond. It's not just um, a hobby or a trip or something like that. Like this is the ordinary stuff of life, right? When we're driving in the car or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, What's, what does that look like? How have you found that the play in just the ordinary 
normal things beyond the hobbies that you've created or taking that time extended more deep time, which I think is important Mm -hmm. as well, like vacation or retreat or whatever. How have you fostered this in the simple ways? Sure. Sure. Well, one of the things that I've been trying to do, especially since this trip, because it really kind of woke me up to it, is I've just been trying to slow down. Mm. And and all that really means is like I'm still doing the things I'm supposed to do during my day, but I'm just doing it more intentionally, more slowly. I'm not rushing from thing to thing. And what you actually discover when you just slow down a little bit is that there are like so many amazing things happening around you all of the time hmm. that you that you'd miss if you're rushing, right? So what have you noticed recently? Sure. I'll give you a couple of examples. So Literally, when I was driving over here, I was just looking around at uh, different people walking on the sidewalks, and there was these two. Uh, there were these two women who were about to cross the street, but they were crossing at the wrong time, and they almost got hit by a car. And they were just like cheesing out on the sidewalk because <laughs> they almost got hit by this car, and they were just laughing. And I was like, "Wow, those two women are having a great day. Like they're just enjoying their friendship." Like I noticed that, yeah. and I could just like, and I and I felt joy watching their joy. But had yeah. I been like not looking, I would have missed it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was another car example. I was driving in my car one morning, and I saw these two ducks flying next to me, and I was just like, "Man." They're going the same speed as I am. I looked down and I was going 35. I was like, ducks can fly 35 <laughs> miles an hour? I had no idea. And like, <laughs> right? And I was just like, that is so amazing. And I was just like enjoying the moment of like, you know, four seconds with these ducks. Yeah, of going 35 miles <laughs> I'm going an 35 hour. miles an hour. Yeah. And like, and that's just a moment of play, you know? And I think, yeah. and I don't think it has to be that complicated. It's just, it's just, it's just a matter of looking around yeah. because- as you know, Emily, like I'm sure in your own life as a as a mother, like there are so many just like joyful and like funny and just like amazing moments yeah. that you see happening in the lives of your of your children. Yeah. That if you don't if you weren't looking, you wouldn't see it. Yeah. And I think that's just that just be my biggest piece of, of wisdom and advice is just is just to look. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta kinda like look up and yeah. or and, and listen and and, and see and, and just and just notice, because if we really believe that God is a father who loves us, and, and I hope that you believe that. If we really believe that, then I really have to trust that he wants to fill my days with wonders and with delights. Yeah. And I have to see that. And I think I, I had a, a, a friend of mine who recently was just kind of drew out the passage of, of the Psalms where it says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And he said, we don't have to make our own days. Mm-hmm. Like God make God makes our days. And I think that's so true because just going over here, right? God was making my day by letting me see two women, right? Having a, f- a funny moment on the sidewalk as they're walking somewhere. Yeah. And and I didn't have to try to make something up or make something happen. It was just it was just a matter of noticing what's what's already there. Well, and this is convicting for me because I think I often grasp at amusement. I mm-hmm. grasp at entertainment. So when I'm walking to my car, I pull up a social media app or I check my email, even though I literally just closed my email (laughs) two minutes before then, you know, and it's really convicting to say that out loud. It's kind of embarrassing, but I think it's a common experience for a lot of us is that we are afraid to be bored. And so we grasp at entertainment or we grasp to be amused when in fact, and I love the example of the ducks because (laughs) there's nothing 
fascinating really about a duck a duck is a duck you <laughs> yeah. know um i'm probably gonna like get a bunch of hunters that are mad at me talking <laughs> yeah, about right. how beautiful what? the mallard is or something what? i don't know whatever if you're into ducks i'm sorry i just offended you but there's there's nothing like readily that we would see as amusing about about that but what has happened in you is that you have changed your your disposition of gratitude mm-hmm. and suddenly the ducks are hilarious the fact mm-hmm. that they can fly 35 miles an hour or yeah. whatever you know or like um, you had shared a story about a box that was oh, sitting yeah. on your on your desk. What was the deal? It like one of oh, the, so, the yeah. flaps so kept on opening. Yeah, so I just this is just such a silly thing. I had this little cardboard box, and I and I I needed to take it home with me. So I put it on my on my desk. I wouldn't forget it. And I heard this little er, er, er. I looked up, and like the little flap was moving up the side of the box, like the lid. And then I was like, er, and I just kind of started chuckling. And then I was looking at this box, and I waited probably like 20 seconds in dead silence, and it went, Err. and I just cheesed, cheesed out, just completely lost my mind. And I was I was by myself in my office, cheesing out at this cardboard box yeah. on my desk. Yeah. But the only reason I could like appreciate was, that appreciate that was because well, one, there was no there was no noise around me, and I was like paying attention to it, yeah. and I was just like, man, like. Again, it seems like such like a, a small thing, but I was like, man, God loves me so much. Where like he just knew, like that was the hardest I laughed that day. Wow! And he just he probably yeah. God and God just knew I needed a good laugh at the yeah. end of the day, and he just used something so simple. But mm-hmm. had I not had eyes to see, ears yeah. to hear, I I would have missed this really just kind of a funny moment. Right, right. That was just for me, and yeah. that's just how that's just how good God yeah. is. And I just I I love that because I think so often we just miss it. Mm-hmm. We're not paying attention. We're not, uh, again, because we try and distract ourselves or whatever. And um, perhaps in some ways that's our own way of avoidant attachment to the yeah. world, right? We, like, we're like we're fearful of it or we're, uh, we're nervous about it, et cetera. And with things that are in the news right now, I think it's really understandable that mm-hmm. there's these anxieties that come mm-hmm. about in us. But oftentimes our, our insecure attachment or our avoidant attachment comes out by by running from it and mm-hmm. trying to grasp onto all of these other things rather than allowing ourselves to actually play or enter yeah. into some of that risk, you and know? And, and it is, and it is a risk, especially when you rely, like you said, trying to amuse yourself. If you mm-hmm. can like, and I'm, and I'm right in there with you. Mm-hmm. And I, I did something the other day, which I had seriously never done before, which I went to the grocery store and I left my phone in my car. Cause I knew that way I would have to stand in line and not be able to. And not to, have a phone. Yeah. And I would just have to kind of like watch what was happening. And it was like so hard for me not to take my phone in with me. But. What if? What if I get a call? What if I miss yeah, this? What and if I. Just, and yeah. what if it's a long line? I can just, I can just like scroll through whatever. But yeah. like. Oh, it was so good. And I think like just the more that I think we can just lean into those opportunities in our day to say, I'm just not going to amuse myself. I'm just yeah. going to like stand in line. Yeah. And just like people watch. And actually like. I think God wants to amaze you and he wants to change you even in the very ordinary, the mundane, which is mm-hmm. most of life, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we're looking, if we if we spend our time, and this is what I have so often done, if we spend our time always looking for like the intense moments of like God coming through in these huge moments, then we're just going to like not see very much because mm-hmm. that's not most of life. Mm-hmm. Most of our life is ordinary, mundane. It's the same as it was today as it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. But guess what? God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's and he's love and he and he's and he's constantly like 
creating anew each day. Yeah. So I think just really in those ordinary moments is where we can like see those things and really have play and really have awe and really have wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Father, thank you so much for just sharing um, your insights, but also really your vulnerability as this mm-hmm. has kind of been a work that God is doing mm-hmm. in you. I mean, your joy is just palpable. I've been mm-hmm. la- like, I think I've laughed harder in <laughs> this episode than I have in a lot um, because there's, there really is just a contagiousness about mm-hmm. your joy in it. So I'm very, very grateful um, for you sharing it with me and with, and with our listeners as well. Uh, friends, if there was a question that was, oh, father, I forgot to ask you, oh, do you have yeah. a question that you've been pondering? I almost oh, forgot this. Yeah. I forgot to okay. prepare you for this. Okay, yeah. Do you want me to do my thing and then come back to you? Yeah, come back to me. Okay, so <laughs> friends, if you are pondering a question after listening to this episode, I would love to hear from you. Um, you can shoot us a text message or even leave a voicemail by calling 605-215-1515, 605-215-1515, or follow us on uh, Instagram, send a message there at SF Diocese, or my personal account is Emily M. Leadum. What's your Instagram handle? Do you know it off the top of your head? It's FR, FR Tyler Matson, all one word. FR Tyler Matson. So I'll take that in the show notes mm-hmm. so that you can get updates on our longboarding priest and the yeah. adventures that he's having. Hopefully, no injuries. <laughs> uh, Father, as you know, I ask every yeah. guest that's been on, what's a question that you're pondering? The only rule is that it cannot be answered. It has sure. to be something that you're just kind of sitting with and wondering about in hopes that uh, it will help us, my you, me, and our listeners to continue to grow and kind mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, mm-hmm. stretch into those places that God might be inviting us. Mm-hmm. So do mm-hmm. you have a question that you have been pondering lately? I do. Yeah. One thing I've been thinking about is, is this. Sometimes we just find ourselves in seasons of life that are just overwhelming and stressful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because of circumstances that are outside of us, but that we can't avoid, right? Something mm-hmm. going on in your workplace, something going on at your home life. And I think a question I've been asking myself is, how do I still find joy how do I still see the presence of Jesus in the midst of a situation that is just really messy? Mm. Uh, because I, don't, I guess I guess it's kind of coming out of this this reality that like I believe that where we are is where God wants us to be, mm-hmm. and if the situation around us sometimes is just not ideal, are we able to still see the Lord in that? And I think I think I guess the question would be this. What does it look like to find the joy of Christ even in the mess that's outside of you or even inside of you? In the ordinary chaos. In the ordinary chaos. That yeah. is just is just like the life brings you and you yeah. can't run from it. That's a great question. Yeah. That's a great question and it sits with me. So I can't wait to have a conversation about this with you <laughs> offline. <laughs> Friends, I hope that question resonates with you as well and that you might find joy in the ordinary chaos that you find yourselves. <laughs> Father, thanks again so much yeah, for joining us. And friends, we will see you next time.